maybe one of his favorites. That one is one of my favorites. And Debbie, I, I'm sure you know this, but that was one of your daddy's favorite. So uh, he, I, he so wraps up in Jesus, he probably wasn't listening, but if he was, uh, you did him well, okay? Gang, I'm glad you're here. I want you to take your Bible this morning, and I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, okay? In a few moments, we're going to read a few verses. Then we're going to have a time of stillness, be still and know that I am God. And then we'll observe the Lord's Supper together, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 11. In a few moments, we'll begin around verse 23, okay? How many of you, uh, it'll be easier for this crowd than the next crowd, but how many of you remember the old family reunions? How many of you do that? Yeah, I knew. I knew you old folks. I knew you remembered it, you know? Some of those younger folks think you mean McDonald's, you know. Uh, but I, I vividly remember the old family reunions. Uh, and on my family, not every month or not every day, every Sunday or whatever, but several times a year, at least twice a year, uh, the family would all get together. And they would all bring the food. <clears throat> the kids would uh, uh, gather up and eat more than we should, if you remember that. Uh, we'd sit around, <clears throat> excuse me, talking a little bit, reminiscing a little bit. We uh, kids would be frustrated with the adults because they wouldn't come and run and play. And in our minds, all the adults wanted to do was just sit and talk and eat. And uh, now that I am in that age, I understand why they would like to just sit and talk and eat, okay? But I, one thing I remember as we played, the adults would all uh, talk about things in the past, uh, the Williamses had a long line of renegades in South Arkansas. And so they would sit around and they would start talking about old people that, uh, that was part of the Williamses' past. I guess every family has some characters, you know. And so they would spend the afternoon talking. And it was a time, not just a reunion, but it was a time of remembering all of our family. We miss those days now. We're so busy, seems like. But it was an important time then. The night before our Lord was crucified, that's kind of what he did. He installed a family reunion. Now, in Baptist circles, we call that the Lord's Supper. But in Baptist circles and in other denominations as well, it's a most serious time to it. There's a serious bent. While it's a time of celebration, it ought to be. It ought to be celebration. It's an intimate form of worship. Uh, it's intensely spiritual, okay? Now, the account we're going to look at this morning is in 1 Corinthians, written, probably the first recorded written words of Jesus. Uh, the letter to Corinth would preceded the Gospels. And in this account of the words of Jesus, Jesus says, my body, remember. It's my blood, remember. So today, the family reunion that we're going to participate in is on a far higher scale than any family reunion that I've ever attended. I think it's the greatest worship time that a church can have when the faith family get together and observe the Lord's Supper together. But there are some things we need to talk about, and that's what I want us to do. Now, Jesus didn't tell us how often we should do it. He said this, as often as you do it, Remember who it's about. Remember what it's about. He actually says, and we'll read, that we're acting out a sermon. Some respects, we're 
we're preaching a sermon. We're looking back on Christ's life, and we're looking back on Christ's death. And then it's also a forward look. We're looking forward to Christ's return. Gang, uh, I can say this to you easier than I can say in our second service. I'm sure looking forward to that moment. The older I get, the grayer I get, and the saggier I get, the more I ache, the more I think, oh, me, what a blessed day that's going to be. And some of those that I've loved so much have beat me there, okay? <clears throat> now, let me tell you about, about our system at home. Uh, and I'm sure it's the same with yours, I don't know. But we had a system to it, okay? Uh, all the family members would bring their food, and they would all gather it. The ladies would set the table. And then the mothers who had young children, they would go first. And they would gather up the little meals for the kids. And then, and I'm not saying this is right. I'm just saying this is the way it was. The men would eat first. You remember that? Oh, those were the days. No, I'm teasing. I don't, I'm not trying to start anything here, okay? But <laughs> the guys would eat first. And the ladies would, I, they would just sit and talk. It was so cool, you know? And then when the guys got their plates way too much, then the ladies would come through. And then when the ladies got through, then the older kids wouldn't come through and help themselves. I remember one time, uh, I, had, I have a little bit of an a ADD issue. I even had it then. My wife says it's getting worse now. But I, I remember one time that, uh, that I decided that I wasn't going to wait for my turn. And so I jumped ahead of the men. And to this day, like a nightmare, I can actually feel my mother grabbing me and pulling me aside and squeezing my neck. You know how the mamas used to do that? You know, it's like she's going to pinch your neck off. And she'd say, Thomas Edward, and then I knew I was in trouble. Thomas Edward, you mind your manners, young man. Well, in our text today, that's what Paul is doing, okay? He's inspired by God to write about communion, but he's writing to a church who has just messed the whole thing up. Terrible table manners, okay? Now, back then, in those days before communion, they would have what they called love feasts. And the idea behind it was that they would have, well, we, we call it potluck, right? Potlick, potluck. And uh, the, they would all bring their, their food together, and they would all make it one. Those who had blessed with more would bring more. Those who were not blessed with more would bring what they had. And the idea behind it was a showing of unity and a showing of equality, a showing of love. That's why it was called the Agape Feast, okay? But unfortunately, the church at Corinth had much division, had many factions within. And so what was happening was this. Those who were better off would bring their food and separate their food and not share it with the others. And so they would actually, in some respects, eat off to themselves, and, and then they would drink off to themselves. Many of them would drink in excess, and back in those days, they would drink wine. And so some of them were being a little sloppy with it. And unfortunately, instead of the oneness or the unity that was, or the equality was, that was supposed to be there, there were divisions, there were factions. And so Paul writes to them, 
and scolded them. He also had to scold them about the communion itself. He would, he'll use the word guilt in our text. He'll use the word judge six different times. He will say to them, you be sure that you don't drink in an unworthy manner. Then he's going to challenge them to examine themselves because there'll be consequences. And that's kind of where I want to be today. I want us to talk about the unworthy manner. I want us to talk about the examination that we should go through. Okay, would you stand with me in honor of God's word? 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Let's begin reading verse 23, and we'll uh, uh, stop around 29, something like that, or maybe 30, okay? He said, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. That's the family reunion idea. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it, and then again, family reunion, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Now, now notice how he kind of narrows a little bit of a funnel here. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man, and then here's this other word, examine himself, and in doing so, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself, if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, we'll stop here. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick, and a number sleep. In other words, some have died. There's a serious, you get the serious tone here, that, that how we take the Lord's Supper is crucially, critically important to the faith family. Okay, why don't we pray together? Father, in the next just few moments, as we talk about this wonderful ordinance that you have given to your faith family, help it to be a time of remembrance, of course, but also, Father, a time of examination. But we have to examine it right. We can't miss what Paul's saying. Because, Father, I know that in a sense here, none of us are worthy. And so we have to be careful how we apply that word, or we will just stand and look at the elements, and that's wrong. So God, help me to share, and then help us to have a worship service. In Christ's name, amen. All right, thanks. Be seated for just a moment. I want you to, <coughs> excuse me, look with me in verse 27, okay? Let's look at some of the, the words a little bit. In verse 27, he uses the, the words unworthy manner. Now, how do you translate that? Well, many have translated irreverent, okay? And the idea behind that is that of ambivalence or maybe indifference, now, like I, in my prayer, I mentioned that in a sense, none of us are worthy. 
And if we were to totally self-examine ourselves or if we were to get too critical of ourselves or psychoanalyze ourselves or whatever you want to do, I think all of us would say, I can't take this supper because I know the depraved nature that I live in. I know who I am. I know sometimes what I think. I know sometimes what I do. I know sometimes how I respond uh, in ways that I shouldn't, okay? And so we have to be careful. Paul's not talking about self-righteousness here. There can be no self-righteousness that makes us worthy, and you need to get hold of that. In fact, the only person in the Bible that was described as worthy is the Lord Jesus, and in Revelation chapter 5, it proclaims worthy is the Lamb. Only Jesus is worthy, okay? So in that sense, none of us stack up. I, I remember when I was studying, I read a little thing about a, a pastor that was getting ready to, to administer the Lord's Supper, the communion to his people. And he noticed off on the corner aside a, a lady who, uh, as he, the more he talked about the Lord's Supper and, and, uh, and all of that, she just began to withdraw more. And it was obvious, it was so obvious to him that, that she was really having trouble with self-condemnation in a sense. How can I do this? I'm not worthy of this. And it just touched his heart that she would be that way. And so he did something. He said he never did before. He, he took the elements, and he took the elements to her. And here's what he said. Take, eat. Take, drink. This is for sinners. Gang, I want you to know that what we're about to do in this time of family reunion is for sinners. Paul's not talking about self-righteousness or the lack of it. Paul's talking about a failure to engage the mind and a failure to engage the heart to what this really is all about. The church at Corinth was messing it up. I think churches today mess it up because it becomes very ritualistic or becomes tradition-bound. It's just something we do. And so if it's just something we do and we don't think of the meaning behind it and the significance behind it, then we lose the, the spiritual significance of it, okay? This is not a light thing we do. This is a heavy thing. We're preaching Christ, and we're preaching that his blood is sufficient to forgive us of sin. That makes us worthy to take it. One commentator said, here is the danger for churches. We go through the motions without any emotions. Capture that. We don't want to go through motions here without emotions. We want to engage our heart, and we want to engage our mind what this supper is all about. It's a picture of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. It's an anticipation of his soon return to, to deliver us, to, to rescue us out of the filth of a sin-cursed world. Are we worthy? Yes. 
And we're worthy based upon not ourselves. We're worthy based upon his worthiness. The Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Does that help you engage? Well, I hope it does. Then look at verse 26. This is an interesting word. Um, I'm sorry, verse 28. But a man must, now notice, examine himself. The word examine is an interesting word in the Bible. It's a word that refers to the, the testing of metals, the heating up and the testing of metals to see if there's any defects, to see if the, uh, the metal is, is genuine. And so what Paul is saying to us here, we're to look intently and we're to evaluate ourselves properly. Now, l- let me address that for just a moment and we'll take the supper. Gang, there, there's a major, there's a, a big difference between what is accepted and what is acceptable. And I think what we should do is test ourselves in both of those areas, Okay. First of all, we're to test ourselves whether we're accepted. And what I mean by that is this. Am I really, truly saved? For you see, if I'm not and I take it, then the judgment that Paul talked about here that we read about could very well be yours. This is a family reunion. This is for those who have been redeemed through the blood of the Lord Jesus and know it and are living it. Now, we're not accepted because of ourselves. We're accepted because of Christ. And if there's an issue in your life whether you're saved or not, you better get that taken care of. Before you try to do this, it's serious family business. Does my head understand the facts of eternal life? Does my head understand these truths that I'm a sinner needing a Savior? God knew I couldn't save myself, so God did something for me I could never do for myself. He did the only thing he could do. He gave his only begotten son to die the most horrible death upon a cross for my sin so that judgment would be on his son, so that judgment would not be on myself, you see. And I have to understand those facts of Scripture. Do you today? Do you desire those truths that you so desperately need? Not only are there facts that I understand, but do I desire those facts to be real in my life? I think there's a lot of people today who are deceived. They know the facts. They think they're going to heaven But they really don't care about those. They don't desire. They go live their lives any way they want to live. And someone said, well, if you die today, will you go to heaven? Well, sure, I'll die. I'll go to heaven because I understand facts. But you see, it's not facts. Number two, there's desire. These facts are for me. I want what happened. And then number three, not only do you understand the facts, not only do you desire the facts, But number three, have you surrendered your will to those facts? And I think there's a major gap here with a lot of people. I understand it. Hey, this is good for me. I'd like to have it. So what does that mean? It means I surrender. It means I give over myself to those facts. 
And there's a lot of people today who have never surrendered in brokenness. We call that faithing of Christ, don't we? We call that repenting of sin. More than a head acknowledgement, but a heart turn, you see. And so the first thing we have to understand, or at least examine here, am I accepted? Do I understand it's by not my merit, but by the merit of Christ? That he fulfilled all the requirements of the law, that he kept the law perfectly so that I might be forgiven. You see, you being accepted is based upon him and his grace, not your merit. Are you trying to be good enough to get it? So are you accepted, okay? And you need to evaluate that. You need to examine that aspect in your heart right now. Then I think Paul is also referring to, am I engaged, acceptable? Okay? Not only am I accepted, am I acceptable? Not only am I saved, but am I really serious about what I'm about to do here? Am I really ready to preach a sermon to the world? Am I connected to what's happening? Is my attitude and my actions consistent with my belief and my behavior? Do others on the outside of the walls of this church that see me Monday through Friday, do they see something in me that's consistent with what we would call Christian character or Christian fruits? I'm going to, uh, I'm going to share in my, my Sunday school class today, and I'll just go ahead and share with you guys. I'm not, I'm not good at keeping secrets, especially Christmas presents. All my kids know in advance what they're getting. I've already emailed my son. My wife's mad at me. She's not speaking to me. But I, um, I, I'm, I'm getting to know a young man that uh, before in my life, I probably would have taken a 20-pound Bible and just slapped him upside the head and crammed, him, crammed the truth down his throat. But as I've gotten older, I've realized better all I can do is be a mouthpiece, and God does what God wants to do in God's time and God's way. And so uh, I've been with him twice, trout fishing. Wayne wanted to know how I was going to f- fit in this trout fishing time we had in my sermon. So when, when Wayne gets back, you say, Wayne, he got it in. Twice I've been with the young guy. First time, uh, Warren Craig and I went, and uh, we didn't cram the gospel down, and we just tried to live it and enjoy it. And he said, I've never been around a preacher like you. And I said, well, I'm just a great sinner, you know. And, uh, and we talked, and we shared a little bit of the seed with him and, and just had a, had a great time. When we got through, he emailed me. I texted me back. He said, uh, You've made, you guys have made me want to be a better man, and you made me think about my daughter. Well, this past week, uh, Dale Price, Wayne Ridings, and myself went up. And again, we got to spend quality time. We had such best time, trash talks, you know, how bad good we were and all that. We were terrible, but it was fun. And again, we took it a step further. We went from a one to a two in a sense. And again, he texted me and said, there's something different about you guys. You see, we're accepted by grace on the merits of Christ. But I think 
more the reference here is as we examine ourselves, are we acceptable? Does my belief match my behavior? Am I living externally what I believe internally? Say, And I think we have to do that. I told you I vividly remember that morning when we had our, or that afternoon when we had our family reunion. Mama pulled me aside. Let me just tell you, gang, I was accepted by Mama, but I wasn't acceptable. By the time she got through, I knew I wasn't, okay? So I think what we ought to do is take a moment to work on our table manners, okay? Let's do that. I want to ask you to bow your head for just a moment, and we're going to have a some music, and in just a moment, I'll call our men down. And let's think about table manners a little bit, okay? My first question to you is, are you saved? Do you know it? Are the facts and the desire confirmed by the surrender? Have you given up all for Christ, have you? Then are you acceptable? Does your life, here's a question for you. Does your life reflect the cross? We're going to have some soft music. Don and I are going to be here. And maybe, maybe what you need to do is right there in your seat, take a few moments to examine yourself, and get all that taken care of. Maybe if we can help you, we, of course, would be honored to come and, and to, uh, you know, with you or whatever, or you can kneel here at the front, whatever you need in these next few moments. Father, I'm so thankful that I'm worthy through Christ alone. And God, you allow me to confess, to get myself acceptable through repentance, saying, God, I, I, I'm doing some things, I'm thinking some things that I know doesn't honor you. I'm sorry. I repent. And Lord, I want to just uh, be clean today. And so, God, if that's where we're at, then I pray that's what will happen. In Jesus' name. Okay, Stu plays. Mm-hmm.